This podcast is brought to you by the UCL Institute of Orthopaedics and Musculoskeletal Science. Now we'd like to sort of move on to the exam, which okay. I think plays on quite a few registrars' minds. Really, I'd just like you to maybe point out sort of what major uh, topics you think are up and coming within trauma, okay. how you would sort of... It's difficult because I'll preface this by saying I intentionally never became an examiner because I was involved in a lot of the teaching around the AO courses mm. and things for many years. So I, I'm saying this purely from my experience, which is now in is a very strange place. I spend most of my time in Whitehall. Most of my time is, is organising and looking at the future. I think there, around the exam, I think there's an element that orthopaedics can tend to step back and not take responsibility for the trauma problem. And it's trauma and orthopaedics is the specialty. And in fact, trauma is the first word in the specialty. A lot of it is that, uh, that I think that's, a, that's something that people are aware of now. And whether they like it or not, orthopaedic surgeons have to feel comfortable in intensive care and have to feel comfortable in the recess room. And if you're not, I think you need to adjust your training. I think you need to go back and your CPD for the next two years should be around getting that. So there is certainly something, I think, in there about the physiology and the perioperative management, peritrauma management of the trauma patient. So I think there is a whole raft of questions that can come from around damage control surgery in the broader sense, around the resuscitation associated with that and around the, particularly around the evidence of damage control orthopaedics and what is appropriate and what's not appropriate and in what severity of patient because we've got to be really careful that the early total care concept which really changed the way we manage patients and saved literally thousands of lives. I'm sure, having seen, lived through that change, was make sure we don't lose that by saying, oh, everything can have an X fix and wait till tomorrow uh, in patients that actually would be better off having everything done because there are issues about going back tomorrow and there are all right, correct windows. And I think it's about understanding the physiology and what I've always called the tests of convergence around hypothermia, around coagulation, around the things that we know matter. And if you can operate, I think you should, if you've got the right team and the right people in the right place. But if the patient is starting to deteriorate, you need to be working very closely with your anaesthetist to decide at what point you stop. So I think that's a, that's a whole issue. That's a massive I think that's, I think that's an area that people would, would need to be aware of. And with regards to pelvic um, mm-hmm. sort of side, the, the pelvic side of things, uh, people are always a little bit wary of this subject. Uh, well, I'm sure they are, because it, it, so is, it is quite a specialist subject. And it would be around the principles and I think the relationship between modern imaging and the principles of care. Nobody's going to start asking very serious questions about complex approaches to the acetabulum, that would be entirely unreasonable. <laughs> but I do think people need to understand the principles... Um, relating to two things. One is around the assessment of those patients. So how you, and in the world, increasing world, where these patients will be being centralised, how do you make the appropriate assessment of that patient in the first six hours, whether it's an acetabulum or it's a pelvis, and also if there's a, obviously it's a haemorrhage problem with the pelvis, Mm. what are the appropriate interventions to make? That will always be there, that won't go away. I know that you're not really sort of in the examining field, but if you did have a final year registrar working for you and you were going along the sort of preparation for FRCS with them and you found that they were struggling, what kind of topics would you ask them to define whether they were a pass or fail candidate? 
Uh, I think that's a really good question. And I think when it comes to answer questions, I, I did do a lot of training about you know how to how to sit the exam. And what I would always try and do with them is to make sure in the vibers, certainly, they go straight to the issue. If it's blindingly obvious what's gone on, go to it, describe it, and then put it into context. Don't sort of pussyfoot around it. Just go there. And again, always adopt the principle. So where do I go when... Uh, I think if I really want to, to say, do I think this person is safe to be out there? I think the talus, fractures of the talus, is a really good one. Do people understand the blood supply to the talus? and what tailor neck injuries in particular. How, how does that, because if they can understand, if they can explain to me what the blood supply to the talus is, and how the various levels of disruption of the talus, by the, from simply breaking the neck through to dislocating the tailor body, what that does, and what the x-ray indicators of that might have happened are, I think that's a good one. And they're saying in the foot, the other one I would choose to focus on would be the Liz Frank because that's a common missed injury. And again, you can always tell whether people have read all the books because people always stop when they get to the foot. <laughs> I think if you, you, you're going to do something, you, you do around that. Uh, and I like people to be able to, under, to explain to me and rank the order of when you're reconstructing a joint, whether it's around stability, alignment, and incongruence. And put those into order as to which ones you think are important in that joint and what your surgery is trying to achieve. Are you just trying to achieve you know, stability? Are you trying to achieve, you know, is it realignment that's important? And I have some idea what the consequences of having malalignment, instability <coughs> or incongruence are in terms of the long-term outcome of a joint. And those are really nice principles. And when you're in trouble, it's a safe place to go because you can normally talk yourself back onto the safe side. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I was just wondering how you would normally probe a candidate to differentiate between the pass and the gold medal candidates. Sort of what kind of things would you use to tax them a little bit more? I'd go into physiology. I think that's where I'd go. I mean, you can go to the depths of anatomy, but that's probably... I think the gold medal is not just about knowledge. The gold medal is about identifying someone who's going to be in, have an excellence in surgery and most of surgery is not about holding onto a scalpel. Most of surgery is about keeping patients alive in trauma, getting understanding their physiology, and that's where I would go. I'd take you into physiology, I'd take you into coagulopathy, I'd take you into systemic inflammatory response syndrome. This podcast is brought to you by the UCL Institute of Orthopaedics and Musculoskeletal Science.